right, so I've got to ask, who's like sitting here going, I'm so coming back at 10.30 to get rid of this thing? <laughs> I got to ask, who's sitting here right now I, going, I finally found what I'm getting my mother-in-law? Guys, Merry Christmas, and uh, just so good to see you here today. Rowdy Souls, thank you for leading us just in some bluegrass today. We're all looking forward to getting through my part as quickly as possible to getting them back on stage. Am I right with this? Thank you guys so, so much. And uh, it's just good to see you here. We are in the countdown mode now. What is it? T minus eight days to Christmas Eve. You believe that? And uh, it, it's, it's coming. It's approaching. And what's so cool when you read the biblical story is that it was not left as something unexpected. Or unaware. It's the funny thing with these types of events that God orchestrates is that He always gives these hints, these signs, these teasers of what's coming our way. Knowing the time is the real trick. No one knows the time or date. But knowing that it's coming, that's an entirely different thing. And what's Jesus said? What is this holiday all about? It's not just a birthday party for someone who was born 2,000 years ago. It's a continual hope that the one who came 2,000 years ago has promised he's coming again. God has not left us unaware. God has not given us signs. God has not told, uh, God, God has not left us without message untold of what's to come. No one knows the day or the hour. And to look for it is futile, but we wait, we anticipate, we yearn. How have we been saying it on Wednesday nights? We ache, ache and yearn for that day to come. Now, these last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how God speaks. God is not a mute idol. God is not a philosophical idea. God is not an impersonal force or, or law or principle of the universe. God speaks. And I want to flash this passage up on the screen for you again because I want it to penetrate. I, I, want, I want us to come to terms with it and not just gloss over it, but really take it seriously that the word of God, that when God speaks, it's alive. It's active. It does something that God has something to say to you, to each and every one of you here. There are things God has to say about it all, but there are also things God has to say to you, specifically you. Those of you in this room who are five, six, seven years old, there's something that God has to say to you. Those of you who are 18, 19, 20, 25, God has something to say to you. Those of you who are 70, 75, 80, or even more, there is something God has to say to you. Christians, those of you in the room who, who profess his name and have come to faith in him, God has something to say to you. And for those of you here who don't call yourself Christian, who don't profess his name, who aren't really sure if you believe this thing or, 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 or know quite well that you don't believe this thing. We believe that God has something to say to you as well. God is a God who speaks, and when God speaks, it's important. And so we got to listen, we got to watch, we got to be tuned in, because it isn't so much a case that God isn't speaking, it's a case that we're often just not listening or I can speak for me, I often have my fingers shoved in 
my ears. Now, if you were with us last Sunday, we opened the door on a very unique way that God will often communicate. And that way is through something that we're just going to call signs, events, things that God orchestrates, still small voices, these little ways that God communicates both externally and internally to to bring us a message, something he wants us to hear, something that, that he has to say. And we talked last week about how these hints, these signs, these, these, these pointers that God gives find their full expression in Jesus. That he is the grand interpreter, the answer key, if you will. And that through that, what, what God is trying to say comes to clarity when we look at it through him. I want to talk to you today more about these, these, these signs, be it internal, external, because the Bible is filled with examples of them. And last week we looked at how the Christmas story is overflowing with God giving his people hints, signs, pointers to what he's up to. But I'd like to take it a step further today and maybe a step into further clarity for how we wrestle with hearing God today. What I want to do is get into the practicals of it. The nuts and bolts. You know what I mean? You see something, something happens, and it feels a little bit uncanny. It feels like it's out of the ordinary, or it feels like it's specially designed for you, and you're having these moments going, is God trying to speak to me? Or is it just an event in history? We have these voices in our heads, these self-conversations, These thoughts that bubble up and these voices that we hear on the inside. And we have these moments, don't we? Sometimes they are so compelling. Sometimes they are so convicting. Sometimes they are so derailing. And we sit there going, is this God trying to tell me something? Or is it just the voice in my head? Is God communicating here? Or is it the two bean burritos I had right before dinner? Are you with me? I want to talk about this stuff today. And I don't stand here today claiming to have it all figured out. But I just want to share with you some of my own meditations, my own history, my own, my own wrestlings through life and that of others in trying to, to figure out and discern what God might be saying through these these voices in my head or these circumstances around me. And hopefully through, through this, maybe you can find something to help guide you as well. So let's start by talking about the external stuff, the stuff that happens out there. In retrospect, I could have shown you this picture today. But last Sunday, I walked in. I was coming in about 7 a.m. in the morning, and I see this red thing in the church parking lot, right in my kind of line of sight in one of those handicapped spots over there. It was a cold morning, if you remember, that kind of frosty. It it was kind of like that that 32 cusp, you know, and and it was going to warm up, but now everything was a little bit icy. And I'm like, what is that, like, red puffball over there? Get a little closer, realize it's a cardinal who's sitting there in the ground, just minding his own business. And you ever have this kind of with a bird where it's like 
they're normally up there in trees, right? And you see it there, and it's like, wow, this, and you kind of keep walking closer, and they don't move. And you start having this moment of going, what do I do with this kind of thing? I get closer, I get closer, I get closer. He lets me get right next to him, about as far as I am from this table. He lets me bend down and pet him. He doesn't appear to be injured. He doesn't fly away. He doesn't even seem to mind too much. He just kind of does his thing. I'm actually kind of worried about him, but I didn't really want to mess with him too much. either. I come out a little bit later. He's gone. And it's not like some cat got him. It's not like there's a plume of feathers there or some, you, you know. Now, the next day we get a call. It's Monday night. My wife gets the call actually from her brother. You ever get this kind of call? Mom is not doing well. And, and you got to figure out how to read that, how to interpret that. Does mom, did, mom is not doing well. Does that mean, well, well, okay, well, it's not a good day for mom? Or is more being communicated through that sign? What you need to know is that my wife's mom's tombstone has been in place for like a year and a half. Creepy, right? Or advanced planning. It's got a big cardinal on it. Going to her house before she was in memory care. Cardinals everywhere. She was one of those grandma that always wore, like, you know, the bird sweaters, and it was always the cardinals on it. I know several of you have them. I've seen them. <laughs> it was her favorite bird, and I mean, it's more than just like, hey, Dave, what's your favorite bird? Oh, I like hawks. No, I mean, it was like, it was like wrapped into her personality, if you will. We go to the funeral. Mom really wasn't doing well. And she died this week. There's cardinals everywhere. And those of you who have been in situations like this, you know how meaningful it is to have something little like that. But the temptation or the tendency to also read into that. Can I ask you today, was it a sign? Or was it just a bird? We've all found ourselves in these situations, haven't we? Things are happening around us that seem to point or tie in, and we find ourselves in this place wrestling and wondering, is God trying to tell me something here? Or is it entirely unconnected? That's the kind of stuff that I mean. And that I want to talk to you a little bit about today. So in the spirit of getting practical, with the stuff out there, I want to give you a list. And in my own wrestling and thinking about this, it's just stuff that I kind of see popping out of the pages of the Bible, out of the teachings of Jesus, and, and have picked up in my own experience, but also from other believers through the centuries that they've wrestled with hearing God as well. And as you come face to face with those signs out there in your own life, wondering, God, what are you saying? Or God, is that you saying anything at all? How to try to make sense of it. So let me just show you a few. And I think the biggest one is this. 
that before looking forward, signs look back. See, I think we're tempted to look for signs to tell us what to do, what's going to happen, what's about to take place. Interestingly, the Bible has a word for this sometimes, and the word is witchcraft. See, if I was to come in here today and to say, let's figure out what's going to happen, and it was to bring out the tea leaves or start reading your palm or read the stars in the sky or bust out the Ouija board, the, the Christians here among you would start getting all kind of hot and bothered about it. But if I talk to you about reading the circumstances around me or the events that are happening in my life, we would all be like, oh, well, yes, how do we figure that out? Do you realize that was the professional job of the Magi? The biblical word is divination. Reading the signs to figure out the future. And contrary to what we think or what we see, if you read the records of these men who were advisors and who were, were, were scribes and scholars of their age, who worked for the courts in the courts of the kings, like scientists today, they observed everything, taking meticulous records of events that would happen when this star converges with this star, what events took place? When this day occurred 3,000 years ago, what patterns have we seen repeat on this day since then? And they would observe everything, trying to figure out what the gods or the universe might be trying to tell us. But, but Yahweh says it has nothing to do with that. Because before my signs point forward, my signs always point back. They point back to him and the promises he's made. They point back to Jesus and the promises fulfilled in him. As you try to read life's circumstance around you, if it does not lead you to Christ, you are following the wrong directions. All of God's signs point back to the promises he has made and build upon them. And if they point to something that is contrary to that, let me encourage you to doubt whether that is a sign from God at all. What I love about God is this. He never settles for hints. God loves clarity. And we have this book that's filled with the record of God's promises and God's verifications of what he has been about, of what he wants, and where he is pointing. And everything that we read in this world has to be filtered and interpreted through his son Christ and the revelation about him. Before looking forward, make sure you're always looking back to see how that gets interpreted through him to begin with. Are you with me? That being said, they also look forward. <laughs> it doesn't take long reading the Gospels to see Jesus telling people, you know how to read the weather, but you don't know how to read the signs of the times. Don't you see where this world is going? Open your eyes, he seems to say. God is on the prowl. He's moving, and he's bringing about that which he promised back then and developing it and leading it before your eyes.
As much as signs are meant to bring us back there, they're also to remind us that God isn't finished yet. That God has work that he still wants to do. And that guess what? So do you. That God isn't done with this globe we call earth yet. And he isn't done with you. And so he tells us, have eyes to see. Learn the story. Embrace the promises. Not of just what was, but what is going to be. And embedded so deeply in that is that it will continue to reveal a conflict between the kingdom of God and the powers of evil. What I've found with so many signs is they often show that something isn't right. Death. Suffering. A corruption of some sort of all that God intended. Sin. That God will show us and bring before our eyes these episodes, these events, these circumstances where suddenly the blinders come off and we'll be able to see this is not the way it's supposed to be. Bringing to mind a challenge, a call, a conviction of what God is going to be up to and what God wants us to be up to in the meantime. Which brings me around to this. That I think as much as we'd like it differently, God's signs point to his purposes more than our situations. You you know what I mean by this, how it goes. Lord, give me a sign. What house am I supposed to buy? Lord, give me a sign. What job am I supposed to take? Lord, give me a sign. Which phone plan? How long, oh Lord? How long, right? See, we want God to speak into our lives, don't we? We want God to come into our lives, fit into our lives, make our lives better. Talk to us right here. But the entire time is saying, I've got something better in store. I don't want to come into your life. I want you to come into mine. And God is far more concerned with the way you fit into his story than fitting into yours. So often, we want to make ourselves unwittingly the centers of the universe, that God is all about me. And so we pray and we yearn and we look and we start trying to read all the circumstances and all the events around us that speak into the things that I want, that matter to me. And in the process, I found have missed the signs of of, of saying, Dave, I love you, but you need to come follow me. And fit into my plans and purposes and where I'm going in this world. If you're finding that the signs don't fit, if I can put it this way, if you're finding that the words don't seem applicable or relevant in your life, maybe it isn't so much a problem with the words, but whether you're fitting into what the words are leading to. God, I found with his signs, 
will far less point to the daily decisions that we find so important that we need to make and to the bigger things that he's up to in this world that he wants us to be a part of. And in that process, what I found is this. They will so often call for decision. The trouble I've gotten into with this kind of thing is he like, I, I want God to make it easy. You know, make the sign so clear that is so completely undeniable that from that sign, there is a clear road. You know, we know the Christmas prophecies, right? Make the rough ground level, give us a road through the mountains, you, you know, make the rugged places a plain, and that we want God to just step by step lay it all out. But what I found is that God's signs call for decision. He shows us what he's up to. He shows us what he's inviting us into. He shows us what's going on in this world. He gives us his promises, and he goes, what are you going to do? I'm not going to do it for you. I think of the Christmas story when the angel comes to Joseph and warns him in a dream to flee because Herod was going to kill the child, and they had to escape in the night to Egypt. It's fascinating to me that he didn't just teleport the family or kill Herod, or put an, angel, an angelic host around him to protect him. It's fascinating to me that he didn't say, you know, but Joseph, you know, I'll cover you for the next six weeks as you get your affairs in order, so, so don't worry. No, God doesn't always make it easy. He wants you to choose. Oh, does that suck? But through the process, God will grow you. He'll mature you. It's in the wrestling with the decision and the follow-through that real spirituality and intimacy with God starts to be born and that we grow into the people he's called us to be. God will call you to decision through his signs. And finally, I found they call for watchfulness. Open your eyes, Jesus will say. He who has ears, let him here. Because it's so easy for me in the distractions of life to miss the countless ways that God is speaking today. Now I want to shift internally. Reading the still small voices up here or in here or maybe for some of us, not so still or small at all. A danger I found is that when God speaks, it really has a tendency to mess you up. You know, when God speaks, something's never quite the same again. For those of you who have experienced this, you'll know what I mean. But, but I, w- I want to give uh, another warning to those of you who might be new to Christianity or a new Christian or have never experienced it really in this kind of way. When God speaks, it be- can become addicting. Because when God speaks, it is a powerful thing. And you want more and more and more. And the wrestle I found myself getting into was wondering if every thought, every phrase, every idea that pops into your mind, trying to sift, trying to be watchful, trying to discern, is this from God or not? 
Let me just give you a few insights today about how to try to read what God is whispering up here. Here's some things I found about listening. Quiet time is essential. You just have to unplug. I've talked to so many missionaries who serve overseas who say they can't really hear God here because there's so much to do and so much distraction around. We just have to unplug. God is speaking. The struggle is we're often just not listening. You know what I mean by this, right? Have you ever been like in a social situation? Maybe it's a party. Maybe it's a gathering of friends. Maybe you're sitting at a dinner table with your family. Maybe it's just like you and your wife, right? And she's talking and she's talking and she's talking and she's talking. And you have learned how to posture yourself as though you're listening. But you're really, really not. Right? Your head even programs at the right time with the nods. Because you've become such a master of this. But then you realize, you ever have those horrific moments where, like, you realize it's gone radio silent. And then you realize that you've been asked a question. And you don't know what it's about, but you have a sneaking suspicion. It's the culmination of the 15 minutes of conversation that preceded it. And you're like, uh, yeah. That's, that's how, you know the moments I mean. Because so often we're just not listening. God is speaking, guys. And there's so much he has to say. And I have found that if I simply don't take these intentional times to slow down, to unplug, to put the to-do list out of the mind, to shift from fifth gear to third I miss so much of what God is trying to impress on me, of what God is bringing to mind for me. I'm never alone with my own thoughts long enough to process and discern what God is saying. I want to encourage you today that if you're striving and wrestling to hear God speak, to make time for that quietness for just you and God in your life. And I found this. Oh, I hate it so. There are some of you here who embrace writing, writing down your thoughts, journaling, keeping a record, a log, a diary. Give it whatever name you want. I don't care. I want you to know that God still loves you. <laughs> that God still loves you, despite this horrific kind of, oh, I just don't get it. I hate it. I hate it. But have you ever found that your prayer life goes something like this? You're wrestling with something so much. You know, it's that thing that's consuming for you. It just, it keeps coming back up and you keep, God, just, I, what do I do with this? God, help me with this. Or, or God, can you just, you know the prayers I mean. And no sooner is it realized 
It is so off your grid that it is forgotten by you for an eternity. Let me ask it, what is it that you've been praying about so fervently 10 days ago? Do you remember it? What was it that was so important to you last year that it consumed your life as you, you came before God yearning, if God would just do this, I would do anything, you know, that kind of thing? And as soon as God delivers, you move on. And it's forgotten for eternity. I found journaling is not that my thoughts are somehow so important that they need to be handed down for posterity's sake. No, what I found is that it's important because it's a record for me. A record for looking back to go, oh yeah, look how God has been speaking to me. Look at what I was praying about and look at what's happened since then. Look at what I was wrestling with and look at how God has intervened since then. Look at what I wanted back then and look at how God has adjusted things since then. I find I often miss what God has said, not because I'm not listening, but because I do not remember what he has said already. And developing some kind of practice to wrestle through what God might be saying to keep it so you can look and remember and make it verifiable has become a powerful technique I've found for hearing what God has to say to me. I found this. I need regular interaction with other Christians. There's a gift that God's Spirit brings you can read about repeatedly through the New Testament. It's called prophecy. I hear prophecy, and I go kind of like one of two ways. I think like those people of old, like 8th century folks like Isaiah, who like, I don't really even know how it worked back then, but like these guys that God shows way back, like, you know, in the annals of time, or I think of some kind of like magic mojo that a few like fringe people might hang on today. But God's word is clear. God continues to give this gift called prophecy. And he gives it far more frequently than we think. Because the mistake we make is that we think that prophecy is about telling the future. When all the while prophecy is about God speaking into your situation today. And God will do this. God will do this through other people that he has gifted, even if just for a time. Your mom has given those mystic sage words, right? Maybe you've experienced it well, where you've said something to someone and it's changed everything and you're like, I don't even know where that came from. We don't need to search mountaintops or find the hidden shrine where the prophet happens to be. No, God is pouring a prophetic spirit out on his people. But if we do not interact and converse with those other believers who are gifted by God's spirit around us, we might just miss what God has to say. What God is saying through them to us, I found that when I immerse myself among other people, the prophetic voice of God it starts to ring so clearly. God is often not a God who only speaks individually, just to me. And finally, repentance. Because if you take the New Testament seriously, it will say the biggest problem is not that God isn't speaking. It's that we're refusing to listen. And the sin that we kind of heap up in our lives, those, those things that we know 
that are contrary to God's way are those things that we just don't take seriously. They have an effect. They deaden the heart. They, they deafen the ears. They kind of put a plug in or a callus over and desensitize us to what God is saying. And it's like God invites us to come back to him regularly and say, we've got to rip the callus off. We've got to rip the callus off, the hardness off, and keep you tender to what it is I'm trying to say. What is it you're harboring today? Might it just be something that's coming between you and what God has to say? Now, none of this is formulaic. You know, it's not like I can give you, well, if God does this, plug it into X, divide it by Y, put it over 2.4. It doesn't work that way. But God invites us into the mess of relationship, which includes conversation with him as we try to discern what he has to say. So maybe I can leave you with this. If you think that God might be speaking to you, showing you something, giving you a sign, confirm it. Test it might be a better way of saying this. And test it this way. Test it against the promises he's already made. The patterns the worldview, the line of sight that he's given. Take it to what he has already been about and test it against what God has to say. Test it against your conscience. God has written something on your heart. Test it against that and test it among other believers and the prophetic word that they might bring and what they have to say. And when all is said and done, if you've brought it through all this and you're still unsure of what this might be saying or where this might be leading, act. Act in line with what you think honors God most. Act in line with what rings truest to his promises. Act in line with his plans and purposes over yours and know that if you've acted correctly, God will bless it. God will bless it and confirm it. And if you've acted wrongly, God can forgive it. So you really can't lose. Because that's the kind of God we serve not just a God who speaks, but a God who loves you. And when he speaks, speaks out of love and compassion and that kind of concern for you. May God help you. Seriously. As you discern what he's saying to you. So we're going to commune today. And in the spirit of 
pulling the calluses off our hearts. We're going to take a moment just to confess our sins, to repent of them, to hear his good news today and come and commune with each other and with him. Roddy Souls, I'm going to invite you, if you'd like, to start making your way back forward. As they come on the stage, I want to invite you to rise today. And let's just pray. And I just want you to come to God with one simple question. Lord, what is it that I'm holding on to that's coming between me and you today? Let's pray. Spirit, we have heard your voice, but we have hardened our hearts as we did during our time of testing in the wilderness, where our fathers tested and tried you and for 40 years saw the work of your hands. We have unbelieving hearts that turn away from you, our living God. We are hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Do not be angry with us. Though our hearts always go astray and we have not known your ways, forgive us and give us faith. May we share in Christ, hold firmly to the end, and enter your rest. Hear what God has said. If we say we have no sins, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us, but if we confess our sins... God is faithful. God is just. And he forgives us our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. God loves you. And by his son, offers you forgiveness, friendship, promise, hope, future, intimacy with him. That he was betrayed. Jesus took bread, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. And he took a cup after supper and gave thanks and gave it to them and said, Drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Come and do this in remembrance of me. Welcome.